0: Thank you Ruben. Good morning everybody. How are you guys? How many of you guys are still waiting for the coffee to kick in? <laughs> oh, okay. I look kind of Okay, all right. Well, anyways, let's move on. Uh, uh, people in the back, can you guys get that video queued up, the second one pr- pretty please? Thank you. And I just want to say to um, you know, we had the Fidelis band up here playing and okay, just pr- don't ig- ignore this. We're not going to watch this, but I know it's hard in our in our in our with our short attention span. Okay um i just want to say though a big thanks to the young folks that were up here doing worship you know this isn't the church of tomorrow this is a church of today and they love jesus that's awesome i also want to say thank you to the crew in the back larry McGarity, uh crystal and tiffany mike noise who just ducked down and my husband josh like with, it takes an army to, to to run the church on sunday mornings and so i'm just thankful to be able to do kingdom work with these people. They're great. All right. Um, okay. So I, your bulletin said get angry, and I'm sure you're like, what? That's not very godly. Well, we're going to dig into that. Uh, I think as Christians, we kind of, uh, we don't know what to make of anger. And, um, we're going to dig into that today a little bit more. Um, you know, a lot of times in church, we think, um, you know, maybe workplace, we expect to have tension and aggravation and stepping on each other's toes, right? But we come to church maybe and we're like, church is blissful, man. People are like, people are walking on clouds and we're all playing our harps and we're all praying for each other and having Bible studies and all this great stuff, right? Um, and let's go ahead and read Acts because I think Acts kind of um, helps to paint this this picture that isn't wrong because it actually happened and this is what we should aspire to as Christ followers, because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. But let's go ahead and read Acts 2, and um, as I'll just read it. You guys follow along. Um, Pastor Larry pointed out, he's like, what version are you reading? I I don't have the NIV. I have been led astray. I thought I always had the NIV. Oops. But this is actually, it's the Holman Bible, which is a different variation. It's not the NIV. So if your Bible says something different, don't, just hang with me. with me. All right, let's read Acts 2, uh, 41 through 47. And just for a little background, this is after Pentecost, right? So the Holy Spirit is just like, boom, hit the church, and the church is on fire for Jesus, okay? Um, And so that's just kind of context. Everybody's coming together, and um, they're all united in one spirit and one purpose, all right? Let's read this. So Acts 2, starting with chapter 41, or verse 41. Uh, So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders—and this was not a bad fear. This was like an awe of the Holy Spirit. Um, Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common— so they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds, to all, the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Okay, so this is, I think, if we're going to say this is what church should be, we, th- we, this gets at the very top, right? This is like, wow, this is what church should be like. But I think a lot of times in reality, church is not like that. Church might kind of be a, more like this video. Can we get the video? I'm so excited we get together and we're going to do these blankets for the community. Isn't that just a really neat thing to do? I love it, I love it. I'm glad you guys are helping me learn. Oh, you're doing a great job, Jennifer. And Kathy, you too, wow. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! What are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to live. We are trying to make these, look at this, look at these beautiful blankets for the community we're making. You are making a mess. I'm making my. I don't know if Jesus would like that one. No, Casey. Okay. I think maybe you better stick with what you know. You know, you are really good at music. Yeah. Maybe this just isn't a ministry for you. Yeah, I mean, we I give you these really great tools. It. No. No. We give you big, big crochet um, uh, knitting needles, and look at the mess you're making. Oh, my gosh. This is how it's supposed to look. no it 's not close it 's not close at all i, I, don't, I just don 't think he 's right for this ministry i really don 't okay so that's uh, those are our, our lovely office staff, some of them um, okay so I think a lot of times when we when we get into ministry right we and this is a gross exaggeration obviously but when we do ministry together, we're in church together, we are gonna say things that rub somebody else the wrong way, we're gonna step over lines that were somebody else's things to do, right? Or we're gonna, we're gonna inject our opinions where they don't belong, right? So just life happens in church because we are human. God is perfect, we're still working on it. Okay, so when something like this happens, right, we have one of two reactions. And Casey, we didn't show it here, but you know, Casey, who is great. Crazy. And Kate, doesn't he know how to knit? Didn't I, you say? It? And, he, and it took us forever, by the way, to get all that off of him. It was all tangled. It took like 10 minutes to get him untangled. But we have one of two reactions, right? We um, We stuff our anger, and we're like, you know, I'm not angry. I'm fine. I'm fine. It happened at church. I shouldn't be upset, right? Because we all love Jesus. So I'm going to pack this down. I'm not really angry. And so what happens is we stuff our anger down, but guess what? It kind of starts to seep out through the the cracks and the crevices, we might drop little comments. We maybe are, we start to grow a little bit of bitterness inside us. Whatever, it, it, it seeps out even if we think we're stuffing it down, right? Or we get headaches, or we have stomach problems, or we lose our appetite. It comes out either way, even if we think we're stuffing it. The opposite reaction is um, that we blow up. We just explode, right? We're like, oh, I just got to, I just got to vent. And so we, we, we become like human volcanoes with bodies attached. We just, we just vent, right? And I think as Christians, we don't necessarily know how to deal with anger because we think anger is bad and it's sinful. What I want us to do though, is go ahead and we're going to get to the scripture. So which is it? Should we stuff it? Which is more biblical to stuff it or to, (laughs) to vent it and let it go and be done with it. Well, let's look at what Scripture says. Um, If you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians 4. We're going to look at verses 25 through 32. Um, And uh, just a quick note as you're finding your place. It'll be up on the screen, too, but it'd be great if you guys could follow in your Bible. Um, What's interesting is that uh, in Ephesians 4, 17 through 25, Paul is talking about the qualities that uh, a new belie- a believer, should have. And, and prior to this section, he's talked about taking off all manner of your old self, right? Behaviors, tendencies, we take that off and we put on the new person. Okay. And in the Greek, it's rendered kind of like you take off a coat and you put a new one on. So in this section that we're looking at, this is what Paul is talking about. This is, this is what, this is how, this is the moral inward character of someone who has been, who's had the Holy Spirit do his work in their lives, okay? Now, what's interesting, I give you that background, because what's interesting is that um, in in verse 25, no, 26, sorry, we'll read it in a sec. um, Anger is still part of who we are once we become Christ followers. It's not like the Holy Spirit comes in and zaps us, and we have anger. Anger's gone. And so I want us to hold on to that because I think um, we tend to—we oversimplify anger, how to approach it. And in the Bible, it's nuanced how it's dealt with. If it, if it seeps into wrath, that is definitely wrong, and it's sin. But there's many, many instances in the Bible that talks about getting angry, and getting angry is right, and you should be getting angry. Um, all right, let's read it, and I'll stop talking. <laughs> All right, so Ephesians 4, we're going to start with verse 25. Um, Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Some of your Bibles say foothold. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. Real quick, in verse 29, it says no rotten talk. Um, A lot of times we think that's don't be a potty mouth. But what's interesting is Paul is linking this to don't be angry in 26, and then later in verse 31, where it talks about putting off all bitterness. And the idea is don't trash talk one another. Yeah, don't be a potty mouth, but also don't trash talk one another. Don't say mean things about one another. That's included in the rotten talk. All right, let's, uh, sorry, I got so excited I lost my place. Okay, 30. (laughs) And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult, and slander must be removed from you along with all wickedness. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ and I want you guys to underline thirty two and you 'll see why when we when we finish up but that's that's kind of like a that 's a key there be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ all right so let 's get into this a little bit uh, in the Greek here too um, when it says be angry, this is a present imperative. So this isn't saying if you happen to get angry or if you think about getting angry, it's a command. The The language in the Greek is a command. It's command language. Get angry. <laughs> Maybe you guys are like, what? This is so cool. But <laughs> I, I have a blank check just to lose it. No, no, no. Um, the idea here is that God, it's a valid human emotion that God allows in our lives, and quite often, our anger is tied and linked with that which we love, right? So, um, okay, so tree of trust here. I'm just being very vulnerable with you guys. When Sophia was little, I had her in gym class, and um, <laughs> and this it was it was supervised playtime, meaning that you as a parent kept an eye on your kid, right? So of course, there's this group of moms that wasn't keeping an eye on their kids. So what did that mean? I mean, I had to keep an eye on their kids because one of the little boys was bullying Sophia and he was making her cry. And so I, I let it happen twice because I wanted to see how she would respond. Third time, something snapped inside of me. I went up to this three-year-old and I got down and I said, listen to me, if you look at her the wrong way again or you say anything else again, you will be in big trouble. Do you understand me? And he goes, and he went and he stood in the corner, but he didn't bug Sophia again. <laughs> okay, but my reaction, though, is I was in mama bear mode, right? I don't care if you're three, don't pick up my child, because I will come after you. <laughs> and so, so that is kind of an example. Usually we end up getting angry because when somebody criticizes or whatever, we, it's attached to something that we love, that we feel strongly about, that we're passionate about. All right. Um, and this guy, I know you guys don't care, but this guy's great. His name is Kenneth Woist, or we- well, it's, he's German, so it'd be Voist, right, I think. I don't speak German. Forgive me if you speak German. But he talks about this, about the right place of anger in our lives. He says, um, when guided by reason, anger is a right affection, as the scripture permits it. And not only permits it, but on fit occasion demands it. And we can think about when jesus was cleaning out the money changers remember we look at that and we go oh jesus was just super enthusiastic no the greek reads jesus was miffed he was furious he was furious furious and so i just want to sit and there are other examples we'd be here all day but there are other examples in the bible where anger is 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 justified it's merited you know god hates sin god despises sin he calls us to despise sin and sinful acts not people but sinful acts and sin. He's like, hate it. Hate it because I hate it and I'm a holy God. And you are a holy people, so you have to hate sin too. So there are instances when it's permissible and warranted to be angry. All right? Okay, let's move on. But here's the catch, because the Bible's like this, right? Um, it, I think it's the verse in Corinthians It says, you know, there is a scuffle between the, the Jewish Christians and the Jews, right? So the, the Christians that had become Jewish, or the Jewish Jewish people who become Christians, and so there, there was a, there was a, a big debate between them about eating certain meat that had been that wasn't kosher, and so they were getting into it. And Paul's like, listen, you can eat whatever you want, right? It is permissible, but the catch was, what was the catch? The catch was, what? It may not be good for you. And, and the same thing with anger here. So there are strings attached, right? <laughs> there are strings attached. And so what are the strings? And it's this tension because the Bible's all about there's tension. It's not ever like let's go crazy in one direction. God's about moderation when it, except for hating sin. All right. So what are, what, what's a litmus test um, for angry? You can be, when is it okay for you to be angry? What does that look like? Well, let's look at some of this stuff if you can articulate your position without blasting the other person out of the water. So let's say Casey here, right? You know, he's, he's this poor guy. And by the way, he is ra- he's like used to girls. He was raised with all um, sisters and female cousins. So he's, he's a—but let's say, though, these ladies were blasting him, right? Here's this guy, tries this new ministry, right? And he gets criticized, right? So he could have chosen to react out of one, one of two ways. He could have blown his stack, or he could have— been like, look, let's talk about this, you know, I'm trying a new ministry, and you're not being very supportive, right? Uh, so, but if he had blasted them out of the water and said, you guys are stupid, I'm gonna stab you with your knitting needles, <laughs> like that, that would not have been good. That was losing control. Uh, Matthew 18, 15 talks about this, if your brother offends you, go and tell him his fault alone. So the idea is, if you have enough control to go sit before your brother or sister and and say, hey, you know what, I'm frustrated about this, you did this, or you made me feel like this when you did it. If you can do that, that's a good indicator that your anger is warranted and you've got control over it. But if you sit down and you're intent on getting your pound of flesh, that's your red flag. Your anger is not, you don't have control over your anger and sitting down and having a conversation is not going to help anything or anybody. All right, let's move on. All right, and this kind of dovetails into this, when you speak, is your aim reconciliation or revenge? You know, when you go to speak with somebody, and a lot of times I think we think, you know, we're angry and fired up and we're like, we have justification to go do this, right? We're, we're in the right place. But a lot of times our hurt, we, the circumstances, we might be have mo- the moral high road, right? but our heart might not be there. Our heart might be in the wrong place. So we shouldn't go because we're going to go in there and we're going to want to exact our pound of flesh. You know, we're going to want somebody to pay. When Josh and I went to premarital counseling, our counselor um, was this great guy and he gave us very good sound advice. He said, do not ever fight in the heat of the moment because you will say stuff that you may not you will not be able to take back. When it is out, it's out. And you may have, you may have you know, buyer's remorse, you may have speaker's remorse, but it's too late. You can't take it back. And Josh and I, we did have a fight. And in college, I, they, somebody was like, what are you? I said, well, I'm Hungarian, Italian, and, um, and I'm Japanese. And they're like, you have like, all the angry nationalities inside of me. <laughs> So, So when Josh and I got married, I had to learn to fight fair. You know, and I had to learn to hold my tongue and keep my temper in check, and I'm still doing that. My sister got all the good genes. She, she's very temperate. I'm not. I'm just like, <laughs> Um, Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, um, and here's the deal. We are called to be fence menders. And a lot of times in church, I think, when there's, Awkwardness that comes up or we get into a fight with somebody or somebody tells us that we are in the wrong ministry We pack our bags and we go and we run away because we're mad and We're like I'll show you or whatever or we're wounded or we're hurt But guess what God says? No, no, no I'm interested in the unity of the body and a lot of time that has to come through Hanging tough together walking through the junk and and having really awkward uncomfortable uncomfortable adult conversations where we're like, okay, so this hurt my feelings. Can we talk about this? You know, how did you feel? What did you mean by when you said? Like, we have to do that. And God's like, you cannot run. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't redeem you to have you run. I redeemed you so you stay there and you make it work. You make the body of Christ work. You figure it out and you make it work. You stick with one another. You know, it's that idea behind uh, marriage. There have been a lot of times when Josh and I, especially Josh, because he's Mr. Straight keeled and even. I'm just like, <laughs> but he, where, <laughs> where, where he, he's like, let's talk this out. And I'm like, no, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. And he's like, let's come back here, go take a walk, and come back, and we'll talk. And just sticking it out and not throwing the towel in and saying, forget it. You hurt me. Forget it. I'm out of here. No, you, you get back in there and you put your gloves on if you have to, and you duke it out fairly, but you duke it out. Let's look at uh, Second Corinthians 5:18. Um, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you guys know that we have a ministry of reconciliation? Um, In the message version, it says all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. Listen to this. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Okay, the language here in the Greek, it isn't, if you feel like settling it, once again, it's imperative. You do this. I don't care if you feel like it, you do it. Get in there and make things right with your brother and sister. Get in there and talk, have the hard conversations. All right, let's move on. All right, what's another indicator or litmus test um, if your anger if it's justified and you have control over your anger? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And we hear this all the time, right? Okay, and I'll just tell you from personal experience, I have done that with Josh. We've gotten into fights. I'll just, I'll get his stuff, and I'll put it on the couch, and I'll go to bed. Well, I don't sleep, and I know he's not sleeping. The Bible is really true. It's really true. It works, you know, and we went to bed. I went to bed on my anger, and I did not sleep a wink at all. Um, I think a lot of times we think we have dealt with our anger maybe, and we think we've processed it, and we've gotten off our chest. I was reading an article in Psychology Today, and it, and it was talking about misconceptions that we have about anger. And a lot of times, we think that um, if we just get it off our chest, we'll be good, right? Because anger, if it sits in you, it causes cancer and all these bad things, right? And it was saying, it's not that you just get it off your chest, it is the way in which you talk about it to the other person. So you can't, I just, if Adams ticked me off, because he blew me off for lunch or something, and I walk up, which happened this week. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud, Adam? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, he's turning so red right now. (laughs) Okay, but if I go up to Adam, right, and I say, Adam, let's talk this through, okay, we talk it out, and he's like, oh, I thought you meant Thursday instead of Friday, and we talk it out, and then I'm like, okay, all right, I'm cool, fine, you blew me off, or we had a misunderstanding, whatever, you call it misunderstanding, I say blow off, whatever. And I walk away, right? But I'm still holding on to my anger, right? Um, I have a five-year-old daughter, and the, the going to bed process seems to take days with her, right? So you, I, we put Sophia down, and we do it well in advance of her time when she's supposed to go to sleep, right? So I put her down. Five minutes in, she's like, can I get a drink of water? OK, hurry up, get a drink of water, five minutes later. I have to go potty, can I go potty? Okay, hurry up, go potty. And then five minutes later, can I get another stuffed toy to sleep with? All right, hurry up, get the stuffed toy, right? And then, I'm scared, I'm scared. And then you're finally out of desperation, like fine, I will lay down with you and cuddle with you till you go to sleep, because I, I want me time. I need to watch adult television, okay? And so, and I, so we get into bed and we wait, we wait. I, I'm just confessing. So I'll get into bed and we'll wait until she dozes off because we're like she'll she'll drop and sleep no problem if we're in bed with her right? Well, a lot of times we do this with our anger, don't we? We think we have put it, we have dealt with it, and we have we're done with it. But a lot of times we're like, let's go cuddle, <laughs> anger, because <laughs> I've i I've, I've worked for you, I deserved you, you know. This anger is mine because somebody hurt me and wounded me, so I'm gonna keep it. This is mine and we're going to snuggle. We're going to read fun bedtime stories. <laughs> and we don't, we don't do what the Bible says. We don't, we don't put it to bed. We hold on to it, and we snuggle with it. And God's like, uh-uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Matthew 5, 9 says, true love is not easily offended. And I know that's hard in our day and age when we're, when we're like, this is my right. You stepped on my toes. Therefore, <laughs> I'm going to cut yours off. It's, the Bible is countercultural in that sense. We're not not that we're supposed to be doormats, but there, there is a way for dealing with this. Um, all right, and then uh, number four or five, I kind of lost count. But is is your motivation for talking to someone and letting them know that you're angry, is that just simply so that your side can be heard, so you can just say, you need to hear my side, and you're not interested at all in engaging in conversation? You just want to be like, look, you're going to listen to me whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, Matthew 5.9. Um, once again, this whole idea of having a ministry of reconciliation. Um, this is the message version. It says you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are in your place in God's family. So, are you more interested in articulating your side of the story, or once again, it goes back to reconciliation, are you interested in reconciling? And sometimes it can't just happen in a single conversation. It might take months, it might take weeks, it might take years, especially with family. That's, that's, that's tough. Um, all right, so let's move on here. You know, it's no surprise, you know, we have all these shows about what Judge Judy, Ju- is Judge Judy still on? Yeah. Yeah, like I'm gonna get my day in court. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get what's what's mine. You know, we're so keen on that, right? Like, and especially as Americans, like we're gonna assert our right. This is our right. This is what we. This is what we have. And I think that translates. You know, the whole anger thing. It's like I've worked for this anger. This anger is mine. You hurt me. You wounded me. This is my anger. This is my prize. This is my trophy. (laughs) I'm gonna wear it like a badge. And we get so caught up in that, and, and, we're, and maybe maybe you're like, Miko, you know what, though? I have been so wounded by church people. Church people have been the worst, you know? I go to a bar, and they're great. I come to church, and they treat me like, you know, trash. They've wounded me so deeply, you know? And it's true. Uh, a lot of times, um, a lot of atrocious occurrences have happened inside the church. And I'm not saying, oh, well, move on. I am saying I am sorry about that, and that breaks the heart of Christ because he didn't, that's not the kind of church that he died for. He died for a church that said, let's lock arms and let's work through this together. All right, but, and then I'm sorry if you've had a horrible experience and somebody has wounded you inside the church. That's not what church is supposed to be about. Um, Our, we have um, friends that go to the church, and um, when our two daughters were playing together when they were younger, they had some issues. And I was super nervous about going to the mom and saying, okay, so this is what's happening when our daughters play together. It's not good and it's not healthy. And I was so nervous because I'm like, oh, I love them. She's like a sister to me. They're, they're friends of ours and they live next door to us. How is this? Ah, I was so nervous. I didn't want to have the conversation. And I finally did. I said, look, there's no easy way to have this conversation. This is what's going on. What do you think? And I thought our relationship is over and they're going to they're gonna spray paint our house and toilet paper our house and <laughs> it's just going to be awkward. And you know what happened? The coolest thing. We had this super great conversation. I mean, it was awkward. It was not fun. You know, when you talk about your kids misbehaving, that's never fun. But we walked through it together and her response was like, you know what? I've been on the receiving end. I understand. Let's figure this out. Whatever you need to do, to, to get Sophia to a good place. We'll figure this out. We'll do that. And that has created such a strong bond because she could have been I think anytime you have conflict with somebody in the church, and you figure out how to get past it and work through it, that makes that relationship worth gold. And that's the kind of relationship you can take to the bank. And that's the type of relationship that Jesus looks at and goes, this is what I'm talking about. This is my bride of Christ. This is why I died on the cross. This is the unity I'm talking about. All right. Romans five eight and here's here's the here's the here's the here's the thing I want you to get if you get nothing else, um, uh, Romans five eight says Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and it kind of goes along with this Matthew eighteen, the the servant, right, and he owes four point five billion dollars to his master. Okay, that's that's a That's a bigger amount than like most GDPs for nations, right? That's a huge, that is, and the idea behind this was, so this, okay, so this servant comes to the master and he's like, I can't pay this, I can't pay this. And the master's like, I forgive you. You are forgiven of your debt. $4.5 billion. It is forgiven, right? And then the same servant that was forgiven goes to another fellow servant who owes him $4,000. And it's like, you can't pay up. Guess what? I'm throwing your, your booty in jail. Okay? And then the master comes back to the guy who was forgiven the $4.5 billion, and he says, you wicked, evil, evil servant. I'm throwing you into hell. And he did. He got thrown into hell. And I think what we need to take from that, maybe we say, oh, that's pretty harsh. No, it's not harsh, because the price that Christ paid on the cross was steep. It cost him his life. But he first offered us forgiveness, and nobody has the moral high ground. We, we are we must, because of the example shown by Jesus and because the grace that was shown to us, we have to turn to somebody else who's forgiven or who's, who's offended us or who's wounded us that we have great anger about and say, I forgive you because guess what? Christ first forgave me. You know, Christ forgave me first. I would be nothing without Jesus and his spilt blood. So, uh and think about this too, when we have so much anger inside of us, right I mean there's there's physiological and physical things that happen our our um, we get mad, we get bunched up, and there's 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 a decent anger there's an okay anger and then there's bad anger. And that's called wrath. This is the wrath I'm talking about. What happens is our arteries constrict, our blood vessels constrict, everything just tightens up, we release cortisol in our body, and we're we're in a fight or flight mode, okay so we're just like, all right like I was with that three-year-old. You want to go? Oh, I'll take you, (laughs) little three-year-old. Right? So we're like, okay. And so what happens is everything gets bunched up, and we're kind of, we're just, we get stopped up. Nothing's flowing through us. It's just, we're like, you know, okay, like, uh, we had to have the, we had to do, like, get our bathtub rototilled because we had so much hair down it. I know this is gross, but it was stopping the water going down. We tried roto- the, all the different kinds of liquid plumbers and nothing would work. So finally the guy came out and he was like, yeah, this was way jammed in there. And it was like with conditioner and hair and he's like, you needed me to come out and do this. Okay. So here's my thing. I know that's gross, but it's on purpose. When we have s- hatred, we have anger, and we have bitterness and we have wrath and malice in our hearts that we haven't dealt with and we hold on to it, God's like, I can't use you. I can't pour anything into you. You can't pour anything into anybody else. And that's the idea of the body of Christ, isn't it? The body that's set up, you know, uh, I forget where it is, but he talks about we're all different members, right? We got arms and legs and toes and spleens and noses and eyebrows and eyelashes. We've got all these different parts that are meant to work in cohesion with one another. But when one of them is out of whack, and God's like, I'm going to pour into you so you can pour into the next, you know, body part or whatever, next person, you know? We stop up God's work. So look, so we have, we have bitterness and anger in our heart, right? And we're not letting it go. And we're, God's like, I'm pouring into you. I'm pouring into you. This is my love. This is my grace. I'm pouring into you. This is my forgiveness, right? And so we're like, yeah, okay, God, that's great that you're doing that. And he's like, okay, go pour it into somebody else's heart. And we're like, nope. Guess what? Look at, Nope. Nope. And God's like, that's not what I died for. I died on the cross so that when I pour into you— this is, this is us. And Jesus is like, now go forward and pour into your brothers and sisters, right? And so what happens is we pour into other people, right? And the body of Christ comes alive. And it's not all homogenous and it's not all the same. It's different, different shapes, different sizes, different colors. And Jesus is like, this, this is the bride of Christ that I died for doesn't all look the same, and we don't all speak the same language, and we don't all get, we don't have the same perspective, and we might be a Republican or a Democrat, whatever. But this, this is what I died for. And so I want you guys to remember, if you, have, if you take nothing else with you, can I have the band come up, please? That when we hold on to our anger, and we cuddle with it, and we take it to bed with us, God can't get in there and use us. We stop everything up. So all the junk in our hearts. So we have to clear that out and let the Holy Spirit come in and just kind of rototill our hearts and get all that junk out, you know? Because this is what he's like, "This this is it. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is great, all these different colors and shapes and sizes. This is what it should look like. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Jesus, God, what can we say? you pay the ultimate price, Lord, to reconcile us to yourself. And you bear the marks on your hands and your feet for eternity because your love for us was so great and that you redeemed us. And that's what you want in the church, Jesus. God, I pray that if anybody here is sitting down and they're struggling with this and grappling with this, Father, whether it be seeds or a full-on mature tree of bitterness and anger, God, Father, I pray that you would talk to their, that you would heal their minds and their hearts and their spirits, Father, that you would allow them to release the angerness and bitterness, Father. As humans, we get attached to our emotions, and we think that we are in the right, and we might be, but nobody has the moral high ground, (laughs) because we are all sinners saved by grace so father i pray that your grace would wash out on everybody here right now in the name of jesus holy spirit come dump yourself out we pray and i pray that restoration and healing would sit right now that as we sit in these seats as we sing this last song jesus your spirit would touch our hearts and we would be melted by the truth of you dying on the cross and that we would wrap our arms and embrace this ministry of reconciliation that you've called us to jesus we love you god we say we bow before you and say you are lord of our lives we love you in the name of jesus amen